1922, a man's pride was a man's land. And so was his son. My wife, she wanted us to leave all this behind. We can move. Our cities are for fools. We divorce. We both know that's what you want. Life is rarely fair, especially out here. And I believe that there's another man inside every man. A conniving man. I'm gonna sell. You, my son, are coming with me. This is our house. In 1922, I murdered my wife. to the nomcast the netflix original movie podcast i'm your host andrew morgan you can follow the show on twitter at nomcast pod or you can follow me at jokes on drew on twitter and instagram this week we do a deep dive into the world of stephen king and the adaptation of his supernatural crime drama 1922 the movie is one of two stephen king adaptations currently on netflix with both 1922 and Gerald's Game both being released in 2017. This one focuses on a simple but proud farmer played by Thomas Jane, who conspires to murder his wife in order to keep his land and his son, whom he convinces to aid in the murder and the ensuing cover-up. The film is adapted and directed by Zach Hilditch, who has another psychological thriller, Rattlesnake, coming out later this year. With a suspenseful, horror-based movie like this, there is no one better to break it down with me than Larry Dwyer. Larry is the resident horror guru of Connecticut. He is part of the amazing staff at the Horror News Network and the Connecticut Horror Fest. He is also the owner of Connecticut Cult Classics, which brings some really cool older films back to the big screen, including their next double feature night on February 23rd at the Strand Theater in Seymour, Connecticut. The theme for those shows? Stephen King, of course. They will be showing Carrie and Maximum Overdrive, which should make for a pretty awesome evening. Tickets are on sale now at ConnecticutCultClassics.com. Spell out the Connecticut, ya bastards. I hope you guys enjoy this one. It's an incredible deep dive on King and horror. And thank you so much to Larry for coming on and doing the show. Give it a listen. What are we talking about? <laughs> Carrie? Christine? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, pick a Stephen King yeah. project at this point. Did you, uh, I know Netflix is doing In the Tall Grass. Did you read that one at all? I did not. Okay. I never. That's the one with uh, his son. That's what Joe, Joe Yeah, he writes it with his son. Yeah, yeah I've never read it. I've never Which I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't mm-hmm. know he had started doing that. Yep. Yep. I'd, uh, he wrote something with Owen, didn't he? I think he wrote something with Owen King, his other son. I don't know. I think he did. I could be wrong. Uh, I, comic book people would know better than me. Um, oh, why is it a? I think it might be. Um, oh, okay. 
Maybe I'm wrong with that too. <laughs> you know what? Stop listening. To he me. has I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. Literally in everything. Right. I mean, like we said, you know, with Gerald's game and mm-hmm. this one for Netflix, uh, I believe In the Tall Grass is also going to be a Netflix feature. Yep. Uh, he's killing it on all the other streaming services with Castle Rock. Still, yep. that's still active, I believe. Right. So and, in, the, in the Tall Grass is with Joe Hill, and Joe Hill's the one who wrote Nosferatu, right? And uh, right, that's Joe. Yeah. Nosferatu. Yeah. Which they're also making into a series. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's becoming a series. Yeah, I, don't I think feel it's Netflix, like though. I looked at I looked uh, what just to see what Stephen King was doing other mm-hmm. than this or what he was involved in. And the list is enormous. Yeah. We had said like 2017 when this movie comes out, yep. you end up having, you know, obviously it being the mm-hmm. big ticket thing. But, Giant. you know. It's also this movie. It's the Mist uh, series, I mm-hmm. believe, came out that year. Uh, Mr. Mercedes, The Dark Tower, which obviously was uh, not so well received no. by anyone in this room or elsewhere. Right. right. <laughs> I know like one person who liked it, but uh, he must be insane. Yeah, it it, it did not go well. No. no like you said, it's just too big. The novels don't seem to work, but the novellas obviously right. seem to be working Shawshank Redemption being probably the biggest one of sure. all of those. Or Stand By Me. Stand By Me as one. well. Yeah. That's true. I mean, basically, yeah, the biggest fair seems to be mm-hmm. seems to be those. Because the novels, like you said, uh, at one point when we were talking off air, was they so just much. are so detailed. Right. And, and, there's, and they're obviously longer fair. So yeah. uh, now in the age of Netflix and everything else or HBO doing these longer series that – Maybe something like that would do. I know they're looking at the stand doing right. that again. Right. Um, so obviously, maybe the Dark Tower can end up that it way. Has to be. Or that's it can the only. Be. That's the only way to even possibly make it work is yeah. with a series. You know, they were smart enough to realize that with the stand, and that's just one book. Sure. But it's a thousand-page book. Yeah, it's huge. So even when they did the one back in the '90s. Uh, with Molly Ringwald, Gary Sinise, or whatever, right. they, they knew back then. Hey, this has to be a series. Yeah, um, that that was okay. It wasn't yeah. awful. I really hated the guy they they chose to play uh, Randall Flag. I I didn't think he was scary at all. Just the jean jacket guy, yeah, the mullet. I was like, that's a weird choice. Yeah, um, but you did have Rob Lowe, which is always you know a treat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, there was a stretch with King stuff, and I know that you're obviously doing a double feature yep. with Connecticut Cult Classics, mm-hmm. where you're doing Carrie, Maximum Overdrive. Yep. Like there was a period, probably the most of the at least like late '80s and '90s, where they were churning out some King stuff, but it was a lot of like straight to TV yeah. stuff oh, yeah. and, and a lot of misguided. Yeah. handlings yeah. of his stuff interestingly enough obviously you're doing maximum overdrive Which and is that is zany. directed by him and it's yeah nutty it's but at bonkers. least it feels like <laughs> that he truly connects with it because he's directing yeah the only, i'm surprised still he the done only that film that he's ever directed yeah i know that's it i mean the only reason i'm, I'm well not the only reason i i love it because it's just fucking nuts it, it really is. is it's a bonkers movie yeah um, Mike Simonetta, who actually works here, he's it's not not far over from where we are now. Yeah. Um, he's the one who like programs all the stuff. I come up with all the trailers that we're going to show right. in the films, and he gets it all and makes it happen. Right. Uh, he's been bugging me. He's like, I, I need we need to do Maximum Overdrive. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, finally after like the fifth time, I'm like, you're serious about yeah. this, aren't you? <laughs> and I'm Which, like, okay, well, if we're gonna do that, we've got to pick 
a big movie to play right. with it because Maximum Overdrive isn't the draw. Yeah. So we that's talk- literally the cult right. status. Yeah. That, we yeah. talked about Pet Cemetery, especially with the remake coming up. Yeah, I wasn't um, too jazzed about that trailer. No, I'm not too jazzed. I was never too jazzed about the original Pet Cemetery, which yeah. is why I didn't. Why we didn't go with it. Um, I'd rather listen to the Ramones song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just over and over on a loop. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I thought of uh, thought of The Shining, but you know, uh, the Criterion Cinemas plays it often. You sure. can still go see that in a regular. Yeah, theater. it's not a uh, a treat, a rarity. Right. I so, guess. so then Carrie popped up, and I was like, "Shit, you John yeah. Travolta, sure, <laughs> fucking win, man! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's go, let's do yeah. this thing." So I thought that would be a fun a fun double feature. You get the you know the nutty one with the the vending machine killing the coach, right? And then you got to watch uh, Sissy Spacek covered in blood and dirty pillows. Yeah, Stephen. But Stephen King, you know, he's they the guy is just so accomplished as an author that people are always chomping at the bit to turn his stories into into cinema. Yeah, it's interesting how his brand still persists. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's also extremely prolific. Oh, he yeah. turns out books all the time yep. whether it's the the short story collections or the novels and he he manages to churn them out into like people just immediately buy up the rights right like almost as soon as it hits the shelves so I, th- I think they actually negotiate the rights before he even right finishes writing it oh absolutely like, what are you working sure on right now point. let me let me let me sew that up let yeah. me, let me get that, <laughs> yeah get here's a few chapters that. and yeah. that's it and he's just like well let's see the check and you yeah. know they hand it over. Which Netflix is a great partner for him in that case. But yeah. he's also, you know, kind of philandering on the side with Hulu yeah, and, sure. and others. So, you know. Oh, who, that's who right. He did the um, the JFK well, one on Hulu. JFK and James, Castle Rock. Oh, I didn't see Castle Rock yet. Yeah, that's still, still going that. on. So, um, But the JFK one I actually really liked. Um, yeah, I, I love the book. Check that. I love the book. And I, I like James Franco. A lot of people don't. I thought he was good in it. He's a mixed bag. I think he can be. He's tough when he's not playing James Franco. Yeah. When he's not in that certain personality type, or right. at least the common one yep. that he's in, yep. I feel he's a stretch. I like that when his hand was stuck in the rock. But that's that a good movie. 20, yeah. 27 hours. Yeah. Is that yeah. what it was? Was it 27? Yeah. It's a lot of hours. It's have a your lot. hand stuck in a rock. Yeah. That sucks. But. <laughs> But yeah, he was recently in uh, the Netflix uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers movie. That was movie. really good. I enjoyed Did it. Did you? Okay. But the one thing is that I didn't enjoy, enjoy James him. Franco <laughs> because it was kind of just enough of a departure that he felt flat and he didn't okay. seem to fit in with a lot of those classic Coen characters yeah. that are also in this movie. Right. And he's he's only in a small part. It's a five-part yep. anthology, okay. I believe, five or six. And... Uh, his part, he kind of gets overshadowed by Stephen Root, if you're a Stephen Root fan. Okay. Because um, he just, you know, it's like a bank robbery situation, yep. and Stephen Root is trying to stop James Franco from doing And it gets almost Looney Tunes. It? It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah, and then the rest of it's about Franco, and then you yep. go, oh, I wanted more, more Stephen Root. <laughs> I but you can't that. always get what you want. No, I can see that being a thing, though. I, I, I get it. I get I, it. A person who's clearly, besides Netflix, a big Stephen King fan is Thomas Jane, who's mm-hmm. the lead in this movie, because he's been in now. This is now his third. He was also in The Mist and Dreamcatcher. Uh, oh. Both I did not like. Uh, Dreamcatcher, I thought, was one of the worst adaptations. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, to be fair, though, that is a bizarro yep. story. Yep. And to be uh, fair, I didn't like the book either. Well, that's so, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it wouldn't have been my first choice, but I was like, okay, we were kind of in that 
another he goes through these periods of resurgence where it's like oh king is back and like somebody wants to do something big and it's like ah the king of horror and and we go right back into it again yeah um and that was in one of those phases and no thank you right um i'm with you (laughs) and it's not even because it's like bizarro fair like with the you know what are they shit out an alien or so. give birth to an alien there's some know. kind of weird alien fare in that uh-huh. that I'm, I'm fine yeah um i've seen i've seen enough of it I'm yeah all set. i'm all set but I then think I, I think i even threw the book out oh really no that's not true <laughs> I, I would never throw a book i was about out, to actually. say in my house it is a constant yeah. fight between my wife and i because she never throws any books away or even gives any books away yeah or puts them in any kind of storage or anything else and so i don't have a very big house larry and i'm uh, with you yeah. yeah you make a few trips to the book barn and you're yep. all of a sudden uh pretty fucked yeah. so um <laughs> you're in a lot of trouble but my kids will obviously be very good, well right. read because they don't have a choice because <laughs> uh, they they're sleeping drown. on stacks of books exactly that's what holds <laughs> up their beds at night that's great so Again, we were kind of talking. Uh, you loved Thomas Jane in this movie. I did, man. I I, I don't know. It's you know, and, and what when we were talking before, I said that uh, you know I never was really a, a giant fan of his. I didn't like The Mist. You know, aside from not liking the movie, I didn't really like him in it. Sure. Um, you know, I'm a huge Yankees fan. I actually really like the movie '61. Um, but I like it more for Barry Pepper's portrayal of Roger Maris than I do for Thomas Jane's. I never Absolutely. didn't really buy him as Mickey Mantle. Deep Blue Sea, good movie, but just kind of in spite of him, he's just kind of there. Yeah. You know, even though he's the hero, he didn't feel heroic. So, yeah. so I was really, really surprised to be pleasantly surprised by his performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in uh, in this film, I, I didn't. You know, when I saw that Thomas Jane was in it, I was like, oh, okay, well. All right, you know, I, yeah. I've, I'd read the story. I'd read 1922 before, and I, I right. did enjoy it. And um, you think this is a faithful adaptation? I do. I mean, they, they definitely strayed, uh, especially at the end. The end just takes a quick left um, from, really? from the so? book. Well, the end, oh, let me see if I can remember. The end of the movie, he's writing his, you know, memoirs yeah, or whatever. Yeah, he's held up in the hotel room. And, and then the rats come and eat through the wall and right. then he sees his dead family and yes. and then he shows him the knife and says, you know what you gotta do or something something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, it'll be quick some version of that. Right. Well, in the book he's same thing, he's in the hotel room and he's yeah. writing the memoirs and he sees his family appear, but then it, it pretty much cuts. Right. And then it's uh, there's like a, a, a like a newspaper story about a guy that was found in his hotel room, uh, bitten to death by, uh, he had bitten himself to death. Oh, wow. And in front of him was a bunch of illegible papers. <laughs> so it left, the, the book so left you to think, maddening. the book left you to think, well, did he imagine this whole thing? Which I did have that thought too, right. you know, obviously by whole thing you mean literally from like start to finish the death of his wife no probably i wouldn't think that i would yeah i think i would think the rats and and, and all that well i mean the rats had to be there right because one bit his hand and he had to right and and, they amputated yeah (laughs) and another poor cow you know fucking (laughs) utter gets eaten by the fucking rat yeah (laughs) so the rats were definitely the cows definitely don't get good service no cows are cows i would have just you know, if I wouldn't have cows on the farm at all if I was him. <laughs> he, he just doesn't know how to protect his cows. Yeah. Um, 
But rats, I'm sure, are very common on a corn farm. You know, oh, I'm sure, sure very, yeah, very common. Absolutely. So, I mean, the fact that there were rats, you know, especially down with a dead wife and a dead cow, yeah, makes sense. So, I'm sure that those sure. were there. Um, yeah, in but, the well situation. But were they there in a you know haunting manner? Maybe not. Maybe right. he was imagining all that. Was his wife really appearing to him? Maybe not. Right. But then. How did his wife appear to him and tell him what was going on with, you know, their Bonnie and Clyde gangster right, exactly. son? Yeah, so, that held up. Right, right. So that could, you know. And yeah, that's so prob- maybe it was. You're hoping it's not a But that's kind of Stephen but, King, right? I yeah, mean, Stephen, it rides that line. Yeah, Stephen King is always like, well, you figure it out, Buster. Yeah. <laughs> what, I, like I said, I've loved Stephen King since I was a little kid. Yeah. But, you know, if you're looking for something to be wrapped up at the end of a story, don't yeah, don't read at, Stephen King. Yeah, yeah, don't read Stephen King because it just doesn't happen. Yeah, which is why they ruined the mist. They're like, oh, mm. we need a fucking ending here because yeah. if you read the story, the ending is just him barely hearing the word Hartford on the radio <laughs> or New right. Haven. It was it was a Connecticut Connecticut state, yeah. New Haven or Hartford. But that's how it ends. They're in right. the they're in the jeep and they're driving around huge fucking monsters and. He finally hears something on the radio and it's Hartford. And that's right. the end. Right. When they made the movie, they were like, well, we got to fucking actually end this. So, yeah. you know, they thought of the most fucked up thing they could possibly think of <laughs> <laughs> and made Thomas Jane do it. Yeah. And then and that was that. And I hated it, man. I was just like, what? Yeah. But uh, but, but back to 1922, I, I yeah. did really like him in this. Um, I thought it was pretty... You know, like I said, there's definitely some differences between the the story, like I said earlier. Yeah, the you know. Bonnie and Clyde thing I yeah. wasn't a big fan of. And it took me also a while for Thomas Jane's accent. But outside of that, I think yep. the movie wraps up strong. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think one, uh, you know, I guess it bothered me more than I thought about the Bonnie and Clyde stuff because I thought the movie gets lost in that period. Yeah. That brief period yep. you know, between the story of that and then the inevitable death of his son. Right. Right. Uh, but which, by the way, God damn, is that a bummer? Like yeah. the, the shooting of the, you the know, unborn his, of Shannon, I believe yeah. her name was. Well, yeah, um, was and. And yeah, just dying out in the cold like that, and then shooting himself in the face, and then yep. and then ha- doubling down with that, with showing the body yep. to to have him, you know, confirm the death. Was was the bo- when in the in the story when the when I mean in the movie when yeah. the uh, body was shipped back to him, was it all like rat eaten? Because it wasn't the book. I don't. They, rem- yeah, they okay. said. Okay. Yeah, they said uh, there was some <clears throat> of that. Uh, okay. And again, obviously, you're seeing the gunshot and mm-hmm. everything else too. So yeah, he's he's. Okay. In bad shape. That's right. Yeah. I do I do remember now. Yeah. I do yeah, he was. He was all torn up. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know, in the in the book he he broke you know, uh her father had sent her away to like an orphanage to be taken care of and you know, she was gonna have the baby and give it up. Um but instead of him instead of the son uh sort of kidnapping her from her house, he had to go to wherever the orphanage was, I think Chicago, and kidnap her from there. Right. And then from there they started their odd crime spree. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, could have just easily been, you know, he breaks her out, they need money, they try to rob someplace, he gets shot. Sure. End of weird Yeah, make a you know, quick s- version of it. Right. The whole, you know, on the run, you know, Mickey Mallory Knox. Uh, right. You know, Bonnie and Clyde was a little. Yeah, it kind of took away from the rest of the story. You could have focused more on the haunting of Wilford. Wilford. Wilf. Wilfred. Yeah. Yeah. Wilford. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Weird name. You yeah. could have focused more. There was there, there. You could have definitely done more in that house. Right. No doubt about it. Yeah, um, and I thought because they they move on 
relatively quickly from the mother and then you know the the obviously the crime itself mm-hmm. and then very quickly he seems to be on the run and gone right there's a little bit of a a a moping, uh, a moody period, yep. whatever have you, that it's just obviously facing what you've done. Right. I felt that was, that could have been more drawn out, more compelling mm-hmm. uh, with that and maybe do something maybe closer to home so that way you can really kind of see yeah. instead of taking the show on the road literally. Right, um, right. But, you know, right. King made a choice. They stayed with the choice. Yep. Uh, and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I thought I did think they did a good job with Henry's girlfriend mm. with her. You know, what? what's different about him? He's changed. Something's yeah. changed. Um, yeah, that conversation, the exchange she had with Wilfred, yeah. I thought was very good. And you could see, you know, he was trying to keep his, you know, son's relationship together. Right. But, you know, he he had, in effect, destroyed his son's moral compass. He, yes. You know, you you trick your son into killing his mother. Things pro- his, his life's probably not going to be the same. No, absolutely you know, not. Maybe he's not going to go on some crime spree. Right. But his life's probably not going to be the same. You know, he's going to be a fucked up kid. Yeah. He's and, shattered. Yeah. And that's yeah. what that's what's happening. And she sees it. And I thought it was I thought it was pretty smart. Yeah. But yeah, the the whole the rest of it a little weird. But I thought that piece was uh, was handled well. Yeah. And Definitely. like uh, like we were saying, Thomas Jane uh, kind of cha- changes. Uh, if you didn't tell me this was Thomas Jane, it Mm -hmm. would have taken me some time to kind of figure out. I don't think I would have known. Yeah, because they kind of scale back his, you know, his usual action muscular figure. Um, They really do a great job between the cinematography, the costume design, and and how they show a fallen man, a a broken man over time uh, and really kind of make him seem fragile and... And, and vulnerable. Oh yeah, and his his breakdown was done done very well. Yeah, I thought. Um, you know, from from the, the beginning, you see him as a strong farmer. Yeah, which he played the part well. He looked like what I would imagine. Yeah, you know, a nineteen twenties farm guy to look like. Sure. Um, but you did definitely see even just the slope of his shoulders as the film went along. Absolutely, you could just see him really portraying. You know that this is really this is killing him. It's yeah. killing him. Yeah, you and know, he gets physically him. deformed from it. Yep. You can see definitely the damage mentally and physically, the toll that this is taking. Mm-hmm. And and as he even says in the movie, like everyone gets caught in the end. Right. So the the guilt it plays very much. Almost like a stage play, like very much a telltale heart at ground yes, Poe nod. Definitely. And then almost King kinda like nods himself. Like the whole time he was in the hotel room, I was like it felt like between Edgar Allan Poe and fourteen oh eight. Yeah. Which I thought was also a very good yeah, adaptation. Yeah, that was uh, good. Uh, guilty though because I also love John Cusack. Who doesn't? Uh, in in most things. Yeah, how can you not? I mean, even I know he's made several movies that are not very not great. Good. And but you know, some of my favorite all-time movies are all John Cusack. Sure. And 1408, I thought was a very good adaptation. Yeah, I, I saw that in the theater and was uh, kind of surprised that I liked it as much as I as much as I did. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it since then, which is weird. I think that's one I, I should probably give another on run. HBO or like cable situations, but it still holds up. Yeah. I still enjoy it, and it's definitely just like this movie, something to where it's limited location but high mental yeah. <laughs> disturbance definitely and high definitely mental rides, disturbance. rides that edge yep. that uh king likes to do on a very small level where the details slowly change over time right. there's a maddening like 
how many times have you seen that? Obviously, The Shining <laughs> being a, yeah. the best example. Yes. But there's always a, a small town or a, right. you know, away from society feel yep. that allows Outcast. someone to do it. Even Secret Window. Mm. Uh, I never saw it. Which uh, I, they, they basically made twice. I believe there's another movie that was made in the 80s or early 90s that was actually also derived from that. And oh, then really? Secret Window, they changed the title and then put Johnny Depp in the role and then kind of... Uh, there you go. There now, you it's, go. <laughs> now it's a whole new ballpark. Now we've got a feature. <laughs> yeah, because Secret Window, I think, was around that time, that Dreamcatcher time, okay. to where everybody, they were starting to push push. You know, King that's the second again. time we've said Dreamcatcher. Yeah. If we say it again, it's probably going to start playing or something. <laughs> something we don't want. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> something we don't want. Yeah, that uh, is. You were talking bad. about about King and, you know, how he, how he brings things back. I don't think we, you know, discussed the town. Uh, yes. Hemingford, Hemingford, Nebraska, Hemingford Home, Nebraska. Hemingford Home, yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, how just like he does with Castle Rock and he does with Derry and, and you know, Stratford and Milford, Connecticut and a few of his stories. Right. yeah. You know, Hemingford is something that uh, he's used before. Yeah. Uh, Mother Abigail from The Stand is from Hemingford Home, yeah. Nebraska. Um, the uh, Larry was his name, actually, from the last rung on the ladder from the uh, night shift right. book was in that that took place in Hemingford home, uh, Nebraska. Right. Uh, ben Hanscom from it ends up in Hemingford home, Nebraska, as he's older. And you were saying that the town yep. over is where children Gatlin. of the corn. Was. Yep. Yeah. Gatlin, Nebraska is one town over. Right. We all know what happened in Gatlin, Nebraska. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. Don't be an adult in Gatlin, Nebraska. Which that would have been a nice departure if his son went <laughs> that's and kind of like... That's where the kid... That's where he yeah. should have gone. He yeah. should have just... Oh, well, Dad, we just went one town over to Gatlin. Everything's yeah. good here. <laughs> no big uh, deal. <laughs> yeah. We're just worshiping he who walks behind the rose. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I think Linda... I hear Linda Hamilton coming. Yeah. Uh, so Which, by the way, I, I now want to... Read in the tall grass, which obviously they're doing yep. next, but it kind of like smacks true of like King really hates just a you tall, know any kind of <laughs> obscured viewings yeah. that you can just Wheat, hide corn, people in. Yeah, anything, anything like that. He re he must really not like. Yeah, yeah, you know, obviously the end of The Shining with the <laughs> the, the maze, the hedges, the, the hedges yep. you know, any kind of tall grass. That guy yep. hates it. Right. Uh, right. It's like he was almost born in a in a corn maze or something like that. So one of my least favorite actors was actually in uh, in uh, 1922. Really? Because yeah. it's a small cast, so I'm curious <laughs> to know which one it was. It's Thomas Chain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Neil McDonough. Really? You yeah. don't like him? You know what? The first time I remember seeing him was in uh, Walking Tall with The Rock. Okay. I fucking hated him. I just didn't like... I yeah. don't like his stupid blonde hair. I don't think I knew who he look. was at that time. And during, well, I didn't what? either. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It was the first time I saw him. Yeah. And, and ever since, I can't look at him. <laughs> I can't look at him. I just want... Every time I see him, I want The Rock to hit him in the face with a 2 by 4 <laughs> That's it. I think he turned a corner for me with Minority Report. Okay. Uh, I enjoy I that I'm a big Spielberg fan. Yep. He, I he, heard it's good. He's a very good addition to that cast. Is he a bad guy? He is. He rides that kind of like yep. duplicitous cop period. Yep. And I wonder if he's ever played a good character. Like a straight yeah, good like guy. Yeah, like a good guy. Yeah. Has he ever been a good guy? Because he doesn't, he looks like an asshole. Not in many things that I've seen him in. <laughs> he he's now, um, uh, more notably now, he's entered into the DC TV universe if you watch Flash okay. or. He does a or, lot of voice work, right? 
I think he does a lot of voice. He work does too. some of that too, but yeah. he's done the live all three live action. Well, I should say they have four now, but he's yep. in. He was started in Arrow. He's Damian Dark. Oh, okay. So he's he was started in Arrow and then started doing some stuff in Flash and yep. Legends of Tomorrow. All is the same character. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought he was good in that. He's probably one of the better villains they've ever had in that. So, but I, again, a villain. Yeah, right. But yeah. that's <laughs> to the point. He keeps playing these guys who just have this kind of like dark side to them even if they don't fully need to yeah like this is a complex character yep uh even though you may not like him i thought he was good he he was fine as that but i was i found myself hoping that the rock would hit him with a two by four (laughs) and like just stroll up out of the porch while wolf is talking to him so many smash a two by four so many two by fours around (laughs) you can just take one right off the barn nobody would notice oh let me apologize to people who hear me crunching away but i figured since we're uh talking about movies i'd better uh pour a big bowl of popcorn of course so that's what's going on if you hear them if you hear the crunching, when in room. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't think favorite. you know what that means. <laughs> that's what, God, I fucking love that movie so oh, much. it's so good. It really, you know, that's just one of those movies, man. I don't care what part it's on. I'm leaving it on every oh, time. Oh, 100%. But it's the pancake breakfast. I'm, o- I'm aware. I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> I think we're going we're going yogging. <laughs> or maybe Soft J. I don't know. <laughs> soft J. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Anchorman good. aside, yeah, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I just, I just laugh every time I see that guy uh, Neil McDonald. I'm just like, fuck, I hate yeah. this guy. And and every time I see, you know what? And he really wasn't the bad guy in this movie. No, he's just an unfortunate. He's just, yeah, uh, you know, he's he's the the object of what Thomas Jane's character, what Wilfred kind of mm-hmm. wanted but yep. was jealous of, and then obviously the tie with the family with Shannon. Mm-hmm. And and just this this turn that <laughs> he has to endure uh, because of his family hardship and kind of seeing two broken men at the end of this movie. Right. Just, you know, they say it plain as day, too. I felt that was a little much. But, like, he's basically like, look at us, two, two men started <laughs> yeah. the year with, like, oh, we have yeah. to talk about the year, too. Because this is, like, a requirement because the year. Like they might have, I think we've all seen what's happened to the both of you. Yeah, you, know, exactly. you don't need to explain yeah. it. Yeah. So just to recap, I lost my kid. You lost your kid. I lost my wife. You lost your. Yeah. Yep. So, so do you want to buy my farm? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Rock should have hit Wilford with the fucking two by four. <laughs> But yeah, the, uh, Neil McDonough, I think it was a good choice. Uh, it's a very small cast. I mean, you had yeah, Dylan Schmidt, who uh, is Henry Hank. Yep. Uh, he was in Once Upon a Time on ABC. For anyone who might have seen that show, the wife Arlette uh, is Molly Parker, mm-hmm. who uh, has done an excellent TV run. Uh, Especially on Netflix with House of Cards and Lost in Space. She of the Nick Cage Wicker Man remake. Yes. <laughs> no need to do that one. No. Nope. Who did the uh, was Alec Guinness in the original? Who was the yeah, the Nick Cage? Al- was, right. Was, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. It's a great movie. I hate. I hated the remake. But then we would have never had the constant the bees <laughs> thing going <laughs> over true. and over in my head for right. about a decade. Right. So that's, uh, you, you talked about Pina Comics earlier. That's Sir John's favorite movie, uh, The Wicker Man. Yeah. He loves the original. The original, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, it's that, or uh, he also loves Phantasm a lot. But I think Phantasm's I think Phantasm's a really good movie. Yeah. 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 But I, I think The Wicker Man is probably. Yeah. I just think he would put that over Phantasm. Sure. 
Yeah, yeah, people have tried to come close to that vibe again. Like, I mean, you've had kind of like The Village and, mm-hmm. and some of these other things where it was like close but not close, and then they do the remake. It's like, why bother? Yep. Uh, and obviously Nick Ch- Cage is an interesting choice there, too. Well, uh, you Nick Cage is get, always interesting, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> well, sometimes it works very well. But. Based on John's love of The Wicker Man, I recently had him watch, I think it was a made-from-Netflix movie. I watched it on Netflix anyway, uh, called The Apostle. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, John and I just talked about that on their Pine of Comics yep. uh, radio show. Yep. Because yep. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah, I knew he would. And he's yeah. like, I never heard of it. I'm like, listen, Mr. Wickerman, yeah. give this a watch. Yeah. Because he loves period films. and Yeah. So, yeah, that and was Dan a- Stevens, I believe, is the lead in that. And he just, he's still in uh, Legion on FX, which is another comic book okay. show. Okay. Uh, and he's basically like, Professor X's mm-hmm. in the comics anyway he's Professor X's bastard son basically that yep. he doesn't know about um, and he has those type of powers but on a incredibly kinetic level um, and it's a great show is it? it's okay. a banana show well, you yeah. want to talk about an acid trip show with great deep cast is it really Ooh, it is well worth the fare all if right you, if you're up for that stuff I'm always um, up for that I'm always up for a mind trip oh yeah this one oh yeah Just it, crazy, it's huh? insane all right we but didn't also, talk about the score in this movie. Yeah. You know who scored it? No. Mike Patton. No shit. Fucking Mike Patton, Mr. Bungle Faith No More himself. God damn it. How did that <laughs> slip by my research? Yes. That is annoying that yeah. I missed that. Oh, my God. Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to supply Netflix, you with these little nuggets. You know what? Netflix, you know, even if the movie misses, they always have some interesting little twist or mm-hmm. little device. Like, uh, you know, we, you know, obviously Bird Box you know, kind of went into the zeitgeist and yeah. Up you know a, what? He, this is not about Bird Box at all. But what I want your take. Well, uh, give it to me. I did not like it. See, I'm the, I'm the other not. boat. I'm the I other know. side. Of. Yeah, I liked it. I, well, I uh, I believe I read your uh, best of okay uh, for the year, and yep. I had read that, mm-hmm. and I was like. Like, yeah, I guess I'll still have Larry on the podcast. <laughs> um, but there, I, oh, was that when you tried to cancel? You were like, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just about not working that. out, Larry. I'm sorry. <laughs> about that episode we were going to do. That's why when we first started this podcast and we started talking, I wasn't actually recording. Right. Uh, even though I was, gonna... I was testing you yeah. to see where this was going to go. And now here we are. <laughs> You're like, if this motherfucker brings up Bird Box, yeah. I am out of here. Yeah. So but that hate. movie, so much hate. The score in that is Trent Reznor mm-hmm. and Atticus. So yep. uh, you know they always pull out some little, yeah, little nook, little thing that uh, just makes me at least admire it on some level, right? And and that's a very interesting show. Has he done that before, Patton? I, not that I know of. It's the first time I've seen his name, and I had to actually make sure it was that because I'm sure there's a million Mike Pattons in the world. Oh yeah, sure. And sure enough, I came to his handsome face, and I was like, "There he That's is, fantastic, There's fucking Mike Patton." My God, that's another guy who just has his hands in everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I can also I don't have obviously anything uh, to connect these two, but man, I could see King being a fan. And, yeah. and kind of like having a mutual admiration for each surprised. other. I wouldn't be surprised. King is such connect. a huge mu- uh, music guy. Yeah. You know, I would not be surprised if he was a fan of Mike Patton's work. Yeah, I, I find like the most random people from, you know, all walks of music get into the score game and they nail it. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, obviously the best example is probably Danny Elfman. Yep. Oh, you know, God. Jesus. Because he's a legend yeah. and obviously started out in Ongo Boingo and, yep. and, and, and had a career the there fir- before I think that. Batman was the first thing I ever 
Yeah. I think uh, that was the first Danny Elfman thing I, that I remember that stood out to yeah. me. It's just like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, the Tim Burton connection really yeah. set him off. Uh-huh. And now he's just doing everything. Whatever he wants, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. You got something? Yeah, maybe I'll score it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you got? But yeah, between yeah. him, Mark Mothersbaugh does mm-hmm. a lot of great composition. Yeah. Uh, it's it's impressive, and obviously the Trent Reznor because they they won an Oscar for God's right. sake for and very well deserved for the Social Network. That is probably one of the best, yep. you know, moving compa- like it, that movie hinges on that score. Yeah, and yeah. and it's interesting. I I, I almost want to uh, rewatch this and kind of really dive in. Right. I thought I thought it was well done, but it didn't really like it didn't strike pop. me. Yeah, but hey, it did its job because it right. didn't go. I it didn't take away from the story. It, right, exactly. it didn't right. That, and that's what you want from a good score. It's you, key. You almost want to not remember it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 another element to the story that you're watching. Yeah. You don't want it to overshadow. You don't want it to undershadow. It's just got to be there. Yeah. And and drive the story along. And with King, it's all about subtleties. It's yep. subtleties in the details, Especially this as we movie. said. Yeah. Especially this movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, even though he reuses some of the tropes, which how can you not with how much he writes for Christ's right. sake. Right. So I try not to hold that against him. Like, you know, the rats thing is not new. The well thing from yep. Dolores Claiborne. You know, so you got uh, a bunch of those things. And obviously we said uh, the town elements and, and those things as well. Mm-hmm. But. I still admire how simple his stories can be and yet are somehow perfect yeah. uh, for for these type of fare. I mean, people screw it up all the time. Of course. But the, the novellas seem to be the real... They really are. The real perfect They really are. It's, you know, you don't... You, know, you get a novella that's 80-something pages. Yeah. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to tell that story than it is to take... A, a book that's 800 pages right and sit down and and you know you're starting at a place at 800 pages where the first thing you're doing is figuring out how to condense it right all right what do i have to cut out of this thing that's not a good place to start in any creative process right you know your creative process should be what am i building here not yeah. what am i scraping away sure unless you're whittling then i guess <laughs> then i guess yeah you need to scrape away well it also kind of is helpful Who i mean whittles does anybody whittle anymore <laughs> When I was a Boy Scout, I did. Um, soap. I remember whittling soap when I was a kid. Yeah. Wow, weird. Were you in Fight Club, Larry? What's no. going on here? <laughs> yeah. Who does this, that? See this burn on the back of my hand? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to my safe cave. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's what, you know, when you sit down with an 800-page novel and you're your first, you know, order of business is to s- strip away. Yeah, narrow it down to two and a half hours right, you're, at you're, best. You're already yeah. fucking up. I'm sorry. You're fu- you're you're fucking up. Yeah, you can't do it. You def- you know when you when you take somebody who's as you know descriptive and visionary as Stephen King. Yeah. You need to try to protect as much of his source material as possible. Right. Unless you're Stanley Kubrick. Sure. Then you can you know redo the shining in your own vision yeah. and still be a genius well and, and sorry it, stephen king the shining is a fucking genius movie i it's know, a genius it, I know movie. it's not your book but i will <laughs> say that the tv version was, that I wa- was very good too right. so if you want the faithful adaptation you have a good version you have the kubrick version which mm-hmm. is awesome yep. uh so hey right know. but you know you get somebody like a kubrick he can do that yeah you know a scorsese can do that a coppola can do that right you know not not everybody you know, is gifted enough to take that kind of a liberty with with Stephen King's material. Right. So when you get the novella, which is only 80 pages. Right. You know, you get to be 
uh, faithful to the source material That's and, still I, yeah, have your, and still have your fingerprints on it. Yeah, and, and King doesn't have to sit back and, and, and try to hover over to see what choices they're making. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about that. When you're so narrow in your focus, it's hard to stray away from what the intentions he had going in, right. which is what's great about this. And, you know, and even, you know, they did a great job with Gerald's game that got better reviews even than this one. So, yep. uh, you know, obviously it, the relationship is good with Netflix and I hope he keeps turning sure that he out. And as I'm, long as they pay him. Yeah. I mean, when I looked <laughs> at his likes in money. development <laughs> section of his IMDb, it's longer. It seems right. almost than what he has, My God. Uh, you know, already going. Yep. So, you know, obviously that's going to, that's going to persist. The one thing, are you a true crime fan outside of the horror stuff at all? Like, like what? Like movies or like documentary? Like everybody's like making a murderer and all these like where people look for the little details because I feel like this movie mm-hmm. is straight up anyone's it, alley who is into a that true crime. Yeah, yeah, because the the part just as soon as they make the decision to to kill his mm-hmm. wife and then the aftermath there is exactly what it feels like everybody wants out of the true crime stuff like. Sure. How did he think this through? Where did he make his mistake? Yep. Where is this going? And and how did it change him? How did we do these things? And that's exactly what I think the best elements of this movie was. Um, yep. Plus, you know, I have a son. You mm-hmm. have a son. I do. I'm always looking for projects to do with him. Yep. I don't know, you know what to do. <laughs> you know, who knows? You, yeah, you who get knows down the, the line, <laughs> you know. What the future holds. Yeah, I mean, 2019, it's a little harder to kill your wife, but, you know. So, so much harder. So yeah. much forensic evidence around. I know. And, and like we were saying off air, it was sloppy. Yeah. No, you know, cop it, just comes out and says, eh, I don't need to look in the well. What, she took? Oh, she took a bag? Yeah, she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which, by the way, even though he, because he didn't come off as like that hokey uh hooks you right. know uh small town sheriff Roscoe thing train. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and, and this is brian darcy james who uh if you've seen spotlight he was part of the mm-hmm. the ensemble team that was uncovering all the uh the priest naughty <laughs> naughty endeavors naughty, naughty yeah Naughty, naughty priests yeah. <laughs> but i thought he was good even in, in a small role here because yeah. he seemed to you know have like pointed moments while also still conveying like that small town, like yep. you know, we have a relationship here, yeah. Uh, scenario. So even on a small role, I, I think Stevens him. always written a good cop, especially a good small town cop. Yeah, you know, I always think to um, I can't remember his name, but the sheriff in Misery mm. as like a really good small yeah. town cop. Yeah, Stephen King's always been pretty good like that. You know, with a, with us, and this this one was no different. Sure. You know. You could tell he knew his business. Uh, you know, maybe could have done a little more poking around. Yeah. Maybe he could have peeked in the well. Yeah. yeah. When he literally <laughs> says what he's doing in the moment, yep. that should have tipped you off. Yeah. Yep. But even still, like, they, they were filling it in. Do it. What is he going to do? A full excavation? Right. Right. Yeah. It's. I pushed my cow. I mean, my cow fell uh, in the well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cops like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. Moving right along. Well, I got to go. I got to get this this guy who wants to buy your land out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I said, man, I, I enjoyed the movie. The only two jarring things for me was getting used to Thomas Jane's accent yep. and the Bonnie and Clyde stuff with the son. I thought that was an interesting choice. That a little, definitely I a little overdone. Have, I, I thought that was a little too extreme for, yeah. for what this is, for how simple mm-hmm. it, it, uh, it all is. But overall, I think the movie is 
worth recommending to people, especially if, so. if you're used to the tone of what King right. usually lays out there. This isn't going to steer you away no, or, no, or piss you off. It's, it's a very a, straightforward story. It's a really story. well done, small, dark story Yeah, about, you know, guilt and consequence. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's done well. There's some aspects that... Again, you know, well, the Bonnie and Clyde thing, not maybe it's a little overdone. Yeah. Um, I see what you're saying about Thomas Jane's Christian Bale like Batman speak. Yeah, <laughs> at some point, he feels like he should have been in like the play Oklahoma or something to where he's like, in 1922. Like it's yeah. it's that accent where you don't move your teeth. Right, right. right. It's that kind of thing going on yep. that I was just like. All right. But then he kind of dials it back yep. at times and kind of doesn't seem like he's too over right. the top. But you did but, bring up a good point earlier. I don't know if we were recording at that time when you said that oh, it's kind of weird that nobody else had that accent. Yes, 100 <laughs> percent. Nobody in his family. Yeah. None of his neighbors. Nobody within within shot. Yeah, um, it's a good point. <laughs> it's a good point. By the way, and kudos to him to I thought it, uh, one of the lesser known impressive feats in this movie is that he said it took two years to drink away the entire movie of a hundred acres of a farm sale yeah that's quite impressive i've had some uh runs in my day um <laughs> but nowhere could i spend what my house is worth right uh in a couple of years worth the booze right but however i don't remember again if they made it really clear in the how much Netflix, you truly sold it for. But in the book, it was like next to nothing. Okay. Like by that time, but he tried to sell it to uh, Harlan. Yes. Who told him, fuck off. I thought that was actually one of the better scenes. It in was the a movie. good scene, except for the fact that, like you said, he had to recap the past yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's which, a nitpick, yeah, but I think overall, little, it was a little, it was a little weird. Yeah, um, it was two broken men jockeying for right. position, which was a very interesting. Right, but he ended choice. up, he ended up finally selling uh, to. And that's the funny thing is he ended up finally selling to that meat manufacturer yes. that wanted to buy it originally. Right. But by that time they were like, yeah, we'll give you like 10% of what we offered exactly, your wife. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, he this whole thing started because he wanted to keep his wife's land and his land. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't want to go to, the city. to a he city. He ends up in the city for He ends time. up in the city. Yeah. He ends up selling the land to exactly who wanted yeah. it in the first place. Yeah. He doesn't get anywhere near the money he could have gotten two years ago be without killing his wife. Yeah. Did you think this plot through as far as like, because I'm watching the movie and I'm like, does he need to kill his wife to get everything he needs? And I'm trying to play the mental gymnastics of, okay, well, he can go here. He can go here. Like, mm -hmm. is he always going to lose his son or is it, can he be close? What, what can you do, basically? I don't think, I don't think he cared so much about the son as he did the land he, yeah what he knew what he knew and again i don't remember if they really made this clear but he knew that if she sold her piece right which she could rightfully do if she sold her piece to that the farm farm manufacturer people right their waste runoff would have killed his land and he yeah been he mentions that in the okay. conversation with neil mcdonough right and it would have also um ruined all the other farms including neil mcdonough's in the yeah. area right which um, is why he made that point when trying to sell it mm -hmm. back to him to be like hey we want to preserve this as much it'll you'll care about this sale as much as right. i will right so so yeah i think if he wanted to 
I don't think there was any way to keep his land and let her do what she wanted to do. Right. Um, you know, he would have just had to swallow it and say, all right, take the kid and leave, and I'll try to make shit work. Sure. Instead of that, he uh, decided to talk his son into killing his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and to the point we were saying earlier about the the rats and w- yeah. whether it was a manifestation or not, mm-hmm. wouldn't you think? Because he said that basically the rats followed him even to his job in yep. Omaha. That Made like him. it was inescapable. Right. That probably that's in his head. Yeah, that has to be uh, some sort of a just manifestation of his guilt and yeah, you know, um, just again craziness. a very telltale heart thing. Right. Right. Overall craziness. You know, like like we said earlier, definitely rats in Nebraska. Yeah. You know, especially in a cornfield. <laughs> definitely rats at the bottom of the well with yeah. a dead woman and a dead cow. Which, um, by the way, is it too much to just go get a cat and try to figure this out? <laughs> take care of Maybe the rat. take a couple other cats. measures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of, you know, taking your gun and trying to shoot a rat, a rat. to try to right. get things away. A cat probably would have been a better choice right. for him going forward. So I think that, you know, <laughs> I think that down the line... Most of it was just craziness that had set in. Yeah. You know, but then, you know, that's Stephen King for you. Yeah, You, you don't know for sure, which, you know, makes Stephen King great. It, it, yeah. get, it gets you talking. You know, there's no Stephen King never doesn't leave things open for interpretation. Right. Which makes for good chats. I agree. Yeah. Now, let's. Uh, the, obviously, I know what's going on with you, Larry. You're, oh, yeah. you're, you have your horror network. Yep. Uh, the Connecticut Horror uh convention that you do as well yep uh and you know you're basically everything ah, horror, so man. much uh, so <laughs> so and, much and part of the reason why we're doing this movie is obviously you are doing the connected cult classics thing so mm-hmm. give uh the people uh details are there tickets still available there are, for that surprisingly there are very limited uh less than 40 left well less than 30 left actually as of today excellent but yeah that is february 23rd at the Strand Theater in Seymour, Connecticut, where we'll be showing uh, Stephen King films, Christine. Nope, I already showed nope. Christine. <laughs> so we're not going to show it again because that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but instead, Maximum Overdrive, a whole different type of automobile than Christine. Exactly. And uh, the original Carrie with Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie and John Travolta. Um, that's going to be February 23rd at the Strand. Tickets are available at ConnecticutCultClassics.com. Uh, don't cheap out. You got to spell Connecticut. I'm sorry, you know, for you people who can't spell. Yeah, exactly. But none of, none of that CT bullshit here. Yeah. Connecticut cult classics, all one word. Just spell it out. Uh, tickets are available there. Um, tickets, yeah. And you get like great raffle prizes. Oh, and, and tons. A poster that's custom yeah. to it as well. Yep. We got the custom posters are already ordered, uh, drawn by Matt Wilson. Um, bunch of giveaways. I don't know what. He did for giveaways. I know he wanted to do a tampon for, and I was just like, maybe scale that idea back. Yeah. Great idea, but I don't know if people want a bloody tampon. Yeah. You know, um, so I don't actually know what the giveaways are going to be. Especially if you always, don't know the source. Right. Like, you know. True. Uh, so th- they'll always be fun. And we got tons of trailers. We show a bunch of trailers. You know, some good stuff. Trailers like old or related to the films? Or Sometimes, uh, I'll, do do really, sometimes I'll do it as, uh, uh, as related to the films. Like when I did um, American Werewolf in London and Silver Bullet uh, right. as a werewolf night, I showed all werewolf trailers. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, from Ginger Snaps to Teen Wolf, like expand the yeah. span the horizon of werewolf films. Yeah, um, this one, you know, in most of them, I usually just pick a bunch of crazy shit that yeah. I can think of. Um, the one to watch out for this time is uh, P.D. Wheatstraw. 
which uh, <laughs> which features Rudy Ray Moore of Dolomite fame. Oh yeah, I uh, love him. But as uh, as the devil's son-in-law. Oh, interesting. Oh, Petey Weedstraw, and of course he's rhyming through the whole thing because why wouldn't he? Of course, he yeah. Is. Uh, yeah. So that's the trailer to watch out for this time. There's a whole lot of good ones. That's hilarious. Um, and then also there's Connecticut Horror Fest, like you mentioned, uh, coming up. Tickets aren't on sale. They are. Oh, they are. Tickets are on sale. Oh, excellent. We've already announced some guests. We've already announced. Uh, David Naughton from American Werewolf in London. Excellent. Uh, Danielle Harris from Halloween 4, 5, and Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah. And we've announced yeah, we Doug Bradley of uh, Pinhead. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm with you on the skipping the Rob yeah, Zombie yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got tons, already got tons of people signed that we haven't announced yet, so there's a lot lot coming up there, but tickets for that are on sale at cthorror.com, and that's taking place in Naugatuck this year. First time at a new venue. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I think it's like it used to be in Danbury. For Danbury, that? yeah. Um, we were in Danbury, like in a, I think it was eleven thousand square feet arena. Nice. And now we're at an eighty-eight thousand square foot Oof. spot in uh, Naugatuck. So it's going to be a lot more vendors, a lot more celebrities. Very cool. Yeah, it's going to be a big time, big time. Going to be a time. big time, big time, big time. <laughs> Slapping the beers. <laughs> Oh, I love that movie. Uh, that's a good. That's another good one. Uh, <laughs> that's another good one. Now you also you write or do you do. curate the the horror news network? A horror news network. I do uh, a lot of writing, reviews of stuff, um, interviews. I've gotten to interview a lot. I've got to interview George Romero, Excellent. Danielle Harris, Doug Bradley, uh, a lot of cool people. Also do uh, we do videos? Um, they guess they set up a Patreon page now where you can get early guest announcements for Connecticut Horror Fest. Right. Uh, and that's at horrornewsnetwork.net. We try to cover everything breaking news that's, you know, related to Yeah, horror. I follow you guys on Twitter. You guys cover everything. It's not easy. No. <laughs> it's not no, easy. it's a lot there's like of only, stuff There's on only there. like five of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... It's like I'm in the middle of like doing actual work, and it's like, oh Jesus, there's a new trailer for Jordan Peele's Us. Let me get this yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, no, don't talk to me right now. I'm doing this work. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it's you know, listen, man, horror is uh, horror is my thing. Yeah. So I and just, it's alive and well, man. It is. It's it really kicking. is. I mean, we just uh, you know we just talked about uh, Apostle, yep. but we also uh, just did on the podcast Cam. Yep. Right, so Bloomhouse is starting to get into the Netflix thing. Yep. Um. Yeah. There's a lot of different companies that are dedicated straight to it, and and they're oh, doing yeah. a great job. Yeah. Um. Except Bl- for the Blumhouse, new Halloween. Go Blum- to, go fuck yourselves. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. You're, you're a good man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm with you on that boat. Disappointed uh, me on so many oh, levels. Oh, so awful. Yeah. I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. What's that doctor doing? <laughs> <laughs> why is this happening? Yeah. Why did Why did he throw her cell phone in a bowl of pudding? Yeah. Why is there a bowl of pudding at the prom? Uh. What's happening? <laughs> I have so many problems with that movie. Yeah. Um, Jen did not come see that with me in the theater. Yeah. But just recently, uh, she's like, well, let, you know, let's watch it. I, yeah. I want to see what's up. Sure. Even when it was over, she was just like, wow, that sucks. Yeah. It's like, yeah, huh? You married well, <laughs> yeah. sir. It's like, yeah, what a piece of poop that was. Oh, Jesus. But you know yeah. what? A lot of people loved it. I know. You know why? Because uh, they don't. We're in a nostalgia based medium don't get right it. now. They don't get it. They didn't. Yeah. It's like, it's like they don't understand. If you loved that Halloween, that means you don't know what Michael Myers was all about. No, Michael you don't Myers know what John Carpenter's all yeah, about. Yeah, Michael either. Myers wasn't an indiscriminate killer no. strolling into every. He wasn't Jason Voorhees. No, which is what they painted. No, as, the, absolutely. He's just walking into every house, stabbing everybody for any reason. Yeah, that's not Michael Myers. What did he no. kill? Three people in the first film. Yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, yeah, whatever. 
But this is kind of the point, right? Yep. We have all this new stuff. We don't need to constantly dwell in all these, you know, the member berries, if you will, of right. the South Park <laughs> variety. Right. Jordan, uh, Jordan Peele can make original horror films. Why can't yeah, you? Exactly. Make an original horror film. Exactly. You know, I'll support. I'll support any. Original horror, yeah, film. and that's why Blumhouse Until it and like sucks, uh, but, uh, even you know. for like uh, they have some misses too, but sure. like they absolutely uh, get what people want, and they really kind of are ex- they're excited to do new fare as yep. well as you know they were excited to do the Halloween thing because that's you know a big, money big ticket, but yeah. you know and it'll hopefully fund a lot of those new emerging hopefully. artists and and get some good stuff out there definitely hope and so. of course you and your team will cover it all we'll so cover it we'll be at the theater to see it and then we'll be uh, hopefully happy afterward excellent thanks yep. for doing this larry Dude, thank you for having me i appreciate it